Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. On this week's episode, we have full-time entrepreneur Anna Carolina Rojas. With three kids, she's able to run Power to Prevail, a body positivity blog, and is founder and CEO at Orlate. While finding her own path to business success, she finds the many parallels between entertainment and business. She lets us know what top five tools she wished she learned in school that could help her now. Let's take a listen to this week's one-on-one. Hi, Anna. How are you? I am exhausted, but doing great. Exhausted? Why exhausted? Well, kids went back to school. I have a toddler. I'm starting my own business. You know, well, the usual. Yeah, the <laughs> usual. Just, you know, a Monday night, right? Yes. Uh, and that on top. Yeah. And then all those things on top. Um, so, Anna, I just wanted to talk to you, get your experiences and your advice about different topics that are going on in your life. But first and foremost, how did you get into performing or getting into the entertainment industry? So I got in pretty young. When I was about five or six, I started doing gymnastics and I loved it. It was at my local elementary school. Um, It was like an after school program. Mm -hmm. And when I went to third grade, I actually found out that um, there was a thing called magnet programs. Um, I'm not being originally from the U S that's kind of something we had never heard of. So my mom wasn't aware to kind of even look out for it. Um, but we found out that that's a thing and, Mm -hmm. um, I was all about it. I was so excited. And so I auditioned and got into the dance program in Miami at rainbow park elementary. And that was just the start of it all. (laughs) So you you started as a gymnast at your school, as yes. kindergarten and kindergarten. Yeah, it was one of those programs that were just accessible to my mom because she was a working mom. Uh, my father passed away two years prior, and so the only activities that were really available to my sister and I was whatever the school offered. Um, gotcha. So I think we did judo. <laughs> Okay. Um, mm-hmm. We just did anything we could, and gymnastics was one of those things, and I I loved it. Um, but my mom wasn't a fan after I kept breaking my arm. So yeah. Yeah. I think she was really happy when I got interested in dancing. Yeah, and um, I I mean I just, I actually didn't know that you started it at five in school gymnastics. I knew you were a gymnast before, but that seems like a really progressive after school activity to have at a school at that time for just me thinking about it even dance in general but gymnastics you know it's it's like keep breaking things yeah it was um it was definitely interesting I I don't ever see a program like that like (laughs) flying in in this day and age but I remember um during school the mats would be um piled up on the side of the cafeteria under the stairs and then when it was time for gymnastics we brought out our balance beam but these are like thin three inch, maybe foam mats that we would lay right on top of the cafeteria floor. Like we'd clear mm-hmm. all the tables, we would lay them out, but we had a balance beam, we had a horse, um, we had a floor. And I think the only thing we didn't have, did we have, 
you know what? I don't even remember now if we had uh, uneven bars. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, There was even competitions, uh, but it was incredible how, and that's why none of that would ever fly. Yeah. (laughs) Nowadays, because that's, that's how we did it. Um, That was, that was our aftercare program. Um, Well, I mean, it wasn't the, the aftercare program, but it was a program that was offered at the school after school. Um, So it was much more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, which was kind of a big deal for my mom. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, you never really stopped to think about how incredibly dangerous that yes. probably was. Yeah. Um, me breaking I mean, my arm obviously was a testament to that. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it just was not the proper facilities. Like, just just not at all. But I don't know. Different different time. Different time. Different times. I know. And that wasn't, I mean, we say so long ago. It, was, it wasn't that long ago. But even, like, when you listen to stories from people that be, that used to ride in cars without seatbelts. Mm-hmm. You're like, how is that possible? But it, was, it wasn't a thing for them. You know? You know my, my mom, my, you know, people older than my mom that I know, they're like, yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't a thing. And you could sit backwards and you could, you know, inside of the, um, the what do you call that? That station wagon you oh, can look the out the back wagon, window. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I I remember when I could do that, and I mean that's not that long ago, right. but like see, things like that seem so um, not accessible. But that's super cool that you started gymnastics in school. So you said that you started the magnet program, and um, tell me your experience with the magnet program. Uh, so the magnet program was definitely different. Um, it was. Um, the auditioning process, then being put at a school that was totally different from my school, very far away. Um, that means having to get on a bus and having mm-hmm. to go really far. Um, but you got just you got immersed in, in the performing arts while at school, and it was just um, this really amazing experience. It was also kind of cool because I didn't quite understand why I was accepted into the program at third grade. But they didn't start the program until fourth grade. So I was actually the only third grader in the performing arts program. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to think that I was just that talented and they just <laughs> wanted to, like, have me right then and there. Um, but I don't actually know now that I now, again, didn't think about it at the time. Um, you know what? I think I think I actually remember during that time as well when they were starting those magnet programs. It didn't technically start until you were in the fourth grade. But did mm-hmm. yours did yours after you went into the fourth grade, like it opened up to the third graders? Um, I still, again, only remember one third grader, but this is gotcha. Miami, right? So right. you were in you were in Broward and I was in Miami. So mm-hmm. Um, we do things a little different down there. <laughs> did things and a little bit differently down there. They did. Mm-hmm. And and they they pulled I got pulled out of class. So all my <laughs> classmates would go somewhere and I don't even know what they were doing because I was I was dancing. Yeah. Um and there was only one more third grader that came in after, Holly. I still even remember her name. Um, oh Holly. She was the only th- oh, I know. Um, she was sweet, a lot of freckles. And um but yeah, I think that, like you said, the programs were so new and everybody was trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. As it was, I think there was only four dancers in the whole school. Oh, wow. It was not, so, yeah, it was not it was a big, small. it was not a big program. All of our productions were a part of the drama uh, okay, okay. department mm-hmm. as well. So we did, they when they did Annie, we did the musical. We, we did the dancing 
Got for you. it. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're never fully dressed without a smile. That was my tap number. Um, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And and things like that. So it was it was really small. It was. Yeah, it seems like it was like a starter magnet program. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. just trying to find its find its feet. So you you were part of the drama program, and you were focusing on dance. Did they and this magnet program that they had set up in Miami? Did you do all anything else? Did you sing? Did you play an instrument? No, we just danced. That's, just that's all we danced. did. Okay, but we were still required to follow the curriculum. So I I know I was in a music class. But it was just mm-hmm. like the music class everybody went to. Oh, uh, okay, okay, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you went, you went from third grade, and you went all the way through high school. In yeah, the all the way through my senior year. Mm-hmm. Did you go from Miami Elementary School? Did you stay in Miami for middle school, or, or that's when you moved up to Fort Lauderdale? So my sixth grade year, I did in Miami. So I went mm-hmm. to Norland. Yep. And they also had a magnet program, but at that point you're in three years. And so it was, it was massive. That's when we really, we had our own recitals, um, programs were broken up by like skill level. And, um, it was just very exciting because we knew the next step from there was Norland. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, it was new world and new world had an amazing reputation. That was the magnet school for Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the caliber of, of dance jumped up dramatically from elementary school. Yeah. And New World is their, their high school is kind of like a feeder program into their college. So it seems like, a, you mm-hmm. know, when you went there, it was a good practice for, for college as well. And then yeah. what year did you wind up moving up to Fort Lauderdale? So funny enough, I had actually lived in Fort Lauderdale that entire time. My mom, remember we were talking about how like, I don't know how parents did it. Yeah. Um, we lived in Lauderdale, but we commuted to Miami because I love the magnet program so much. And oh. I wanted to dance so badly that she kept us in. And my sister was in the arts program. So she was in the visual arts. Uh-huh. Um, so she kept that going for a whole school year. And I think... <laughs> I think wow. she just couldn't handle it anymore, which I don't blame her now, now that yeah. I think about, think about all of this. Um, so we, we moved from in seventh grade, but yes, I don't think most people realize that I actually lived in Fort Lauderdale that entire time, but I did all my sixth grade um, at Norland. And in Miami. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. So yeah. I remember you living in Lauder Hill, but mm-hmm. I didn't meet you until seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know that you were doing all of that commuting. And for people that don't know, I mean, Lauder Hill is probably 20 minutes or so from the highway itself. And yeah. then once you get on the highway, it's probably another, what, 40 minutes? Easily. Okay. Um, so like, And she worked at Miami International Airport. Okay. So that gives a little bit, that, that helps a little bit because my, yes. M- MIA is definitely down Miami really far down mm-hmm. Miami so that kind of makes sense it would it would be worse if you said she she worked at like Boca Regional Hospital or yeah something, you know no. in the other direction so. well that's good so you stayed in the in the in in the program and we went together and we went to Dillard and we were there for four years mm-hmm. um what were some of the struggles staying in performing arts did you notice growing up well I think definitely by high school um, those that chose the performing arts were kind of seen as the ones that just weren't going to make it because everybody else was choosing to go to 
um, different types of magnet programs that focused more on academics um, or just went back to their home schools so that they could focus more on the academics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in, in some ways it was sort of poo-pooed on to keep going <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the magnet programs and well, in the performing arts programs specifically because, you know, the conversation was like, well, why? Because you're not, this isn't going to be a job for you. This isn't going to be a career for you. So why are you wasting, why are you wasting your time? Um, doing it. And I know, you know, people buckled under that pressure and, um, and they left. And so, you know, there, there was that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that you can't ever take the fact that we were in low performing schools. Right. So Mm -hmm. people began to feel very intimidated in the program when you have a population that's 90% minority. Mm -hmm. Um, People really again, became intimidated by that. Um, I don't know why, because it's literally the same peers that we had just went to school with in middle school. Yeah, yeah. Um, but people's biases and prejudice, you know, it, it came up. And that, again, for some was the rationale for not attending or not continuing on into the program. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, and then getting up super, early in the morning because holy hell if you're in a magnet school and you're yeah. far away and school starts at 7 30 your bus is picking up at five six o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah you're, no, asking, I, you're asking a teenager to get up crazy early in the morning yeah and that's after you know the extensive rehearsals that they expected you to have at night so you were like when am i supposed to actually do this thing called school that yes. you're there there for no it makes it, it makes a lot of sense and I have this, I have, um, I always go back and forth thinking about this. Like why was, was this magnet program attached to this specific school? But then I also think about all the people that were in the magnet program or that got to be in the magnet program because it was, it was offered to everybody, you know, at some point you, a lot of people did audition and there were specific classes for those people that auditioned and, you know, very strict, um, uh, magnet students, but then there's also some classes that were offered to the general public and anybody could do it, you know, and those classes were fun. We sat in on a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I go back and forth with this thinking, you know, like I said, why was it part of the school? But then I also think how great it was to be part of the school because some of those people that were at the school got to experience, you know, dancing or theater or, you know, music or stagecraft. They also had those those outlets as well. So from high school, what, what are you thinking of doing after high school? What did you do? Well, well, um, there's what I wanted to do. And then there's what I did. (laughs) What did you do? Um, uh, So what I did end up doing is I ended up staying home and going to Broward college and getting my associates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I already know this place. And I did get into their honors college And um, I studied sociology and then transferred over to Nova Southeastern University and finished up my bachelor's uh, in psychology. Okay. So you stayed local. Yeah, super local. Nice. So after, so you're making this transition out of performing. What... What steps after college are you deciding to do? Like, where, where's your mind? What, am, what are you going to do? 
Well, unfortunately, at that time in my life, I was involved in a relationship that just was not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in it for a very long time. So prior to graduating from high school, I had been accepted into dance programs and with oh, okay. scholarships. Um, yeah. And I was I was ready to fly and, and just see what I can do with my talent and my passion and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. And that was curbed dramatically by a person who um, just was not capable of seeing that happen. And I was young and so I didn't realize what was going on. So at the time I said to myself, well, okay, now it's time to then jump into a career. <laughs> and, um, I happened to get into a company that was growing very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I was able to also grow very quickly within the organization. Um, so I was just ready to climb that corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. You dug, you and just that dove was just in. my goal. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Now, did you still perform while you were doing this, or did you just give it up altogether? No, I just, I, I, I held on to, I didn't, I don't want to say I hung up my tights because I didn't, mm -hmm. I still have them actually. Yeah. <laughs> They're sitting in my drawer. I never had the heart to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, after that, I just stopped dancing, moving, performing everything just kind of cold turkey um which yeah. i realized in retrospect um how just that was just so symbolic and being able to pick that up 10 years later was very difficult but mm -hmm. it was a, a tremendous healing process so dance definitely brought me back out of that dark period where i was still thriving mm -hmm. um but just just because it's what i had to do yeah so you stopped for a while and then you picked it back up. Where did you pick it back up again? So my daughter, uh, oh, okay. right, fast yeah. forward, mm -hmm. uh, she was You have three. a new, this, your daughter is your second, right? Yes. Okay. She started dancing and mm -hmm. I was so excited. And then I found out that the dance studio had adult classes. Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. And I had not been into a studio because at that point she's three. So it's 20 and almost almost 10 years. Wow. I don't okay. even know how that's possible, but you know, 10 years. And, um, I said, you know what, I'm going to take the class. Who cares? Who cares? Mm -hmm. And I did. And, oh, I loved it. They had a ballet class. They had a modern class and, um, yeah, I don't even know how I had the time for all that, but I, right. did. I took, <laughs> I, I took the class. Where was that? And, did you take at, um, in Fort, in Fort Lauderdale? It was in Coral Springs. It was right down the street from my house. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it was fantastic. And it was just, she ended up quitting. Yeah. <laughs> she quit. She's not a dancer. She's an artist. Um, she's, she's my drawer. And now she's my percussionist. Oh. Um, yeah. She was never into dancing, but she loves to draw. And she was one of nine students uh, that was picked for the percussion section. Nice. And, um, but I kept going. Because I loved it so much. Nice. Um, and then just started looking for other opportunities. I started doing West Coast Swing. Um, okay. Phenomenal. And just, yeah, anytime, anytime I could get on a stage or dance, it, pole dancing. Yeah. Didn't matter. Super. I, someone said super there was a class. Cardio. I'm in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I love pole dancing. I mean, there's upper body, lower body, rhythm. 
move. I mean, it's, it's incredible, but cross training is, is so important too. You know, if you, sometimes if you just stick to one, you're missing out on so many, so many other things that are out there. Absolutely. It's they all have, it's all unique ways of moving your body and each one's going to call upon a different part of your brain, a different part of your soul, a different part of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really neat to be able to, um, open yourself up to those experiences. And so, um, that was actually one of the very first things that I did for myself, um, after coming out of that relationship and, mm-hmm. um, it was wonderful. Yeah. There's something about moving your body in any sort of fashion or any sort of genre that really you find fulfilling and happy. You find yourself having fun and your endorphins are going and you wind up getting lost in the movement. That's what I love about it. And you can do it like you said, like you, you left it for 10 years, but immediately, as soon as you get back, you were like, this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So you're on that. So your daughter is number two. So you have one older son, you have daughter is number two, and then you have a little toddler, you were saying, right? <laughs> little JJ, Hota Hota. Yes, he uh, How- will be two in December. Two in December. So you are a working mother and you have left us and you no longer live in Florida. What, what made you move? Um, different opportunities. So I, I've met a new person who just lets me fly free yeah. and um, an opportunity to move to Houston came gotcha. up and it was something I had never, ever done before. And I said, I will, if you will. And we moved. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Houston is, a, is, um, is a fun, I mean, that's where I'm, we had lunch together not so long ago. And Houston is a really fun up and coming little city. Not little. It's big. It's a pretty big city. It's huge. Yeah. It's incredibly underrated. Um, yeah. which I think people like because it keeps house prices down. Sure. Um, yeah. but it is, it's definitely a, a city worth putting on putting on your radar to to at least visit or get to know a little bit yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more um i loved it there but right before you moved to houston you were working on a passion project tell me a little bit about it yes so i i think a part of the reason why it was very easy to walk away from dance um was because while it it, it is all these wonderful and amazing things it's also still filled with a lot of bias um and a lot of focus on things that are not important like body type body size Mm -hmm. um and so me never having the body of a dancer uh, a quote-unquote dancer right anybody who moves is Mm -hmm. a dancer um I kind of was like, well, you know what? I'm never going to make it anyway. So maybe now it is time to stop all those things that people said about, you know, us continuing on to high school certainly, um, applied to college because now college is supposed to be your higher education. This is like your career. Um, and was dance ever going to be my career? And the answer is no. Um, because I believed that I didn't have the, the body type for it. Mm-hmm. So the the passion project I actually started working on right before I left was just blogging about body positivity, um, mm-hmm. how it impacted me as a, as a mother right now that I'm dealing with not only the body that I have that was rejected for so many years, but now there was stretch marks and 
um, scars and loose skin on top of all of that. Uh, so it went from a bad situation to worse. Um, but being able to dance again after 10 years, I said to myself, why, why, why are we, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we denying ourselves the passions that we want simply because someone else has said, well, you don't have the right body for it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially something that just brings you to life. It, um, it's not like, Oh, I'm doing my taxes. It's right. no, yeah. I just, Oh, I'm being like, life is being breathed into me. Um, so I decided to start talking about that and the reaction was immediate. It was intense. It was just all these people reaching out from all over the globe, just talking about how they too have given up on their passions whatever they may be, not necessarily in the performing arts, um, mm-hmm. simply because they were told and they believed that it was just their body that was the, the rationale. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, yeah, and that was four and a half years ago, and people are still reaching out to me and talking to me about their struggles that they've been having, and it's been really wonderful to be able to have such a unfiltered conversation um, that's able to bring people to a lot of healing. Being so, um, remind me, remind me the name of the, of the, the project again. Oh, so that was power to prevail. Power to prevail. It's it's not just a scream name. It's a mantra. (laughs) It's a mantra. Yeah. No, I remember, I remember seeing it a lot when I, when you were starting it and really kind of investigating all of those, um, that were in there. Being someone that has, you know, put yourself out there in social media in this platform and people are reaching back out to you, you know, with stories and stuff. What are you noticing about the trend with body positivity or their lack thereof in the community? So I think that what's happening is that when 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 anybody sees a particular behavior, um, if you have the idea that if you learn a behavior, you can profit from it, you see Mm. how superficial the movement can become. Um, because you bring in a couple of people that are, let's say, plus size, but they still have super smooth skin. Um, they're still the right complexion that make people comfortable. Um, so, but they say, look, we're body positive. And it's just like, well, but no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but they learn the behaviors that people want to see. So they change it just a little bit. Um, gotcha. So, you know, certain arenas have certainly, ch- I mean, you see what's happening with Victoria's Secret. They're not mm-hmm. even airing their, their fashion show anymore. People are really responding to that. So some industries have responded very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, me being in this space now too, people are starting to start their own businesses. They're saying, hey, you know what? If you're not going to do it, we're going to do it ourselves. And you kind of see that same in dance, even mm-hmm. though it's taking a lot longer, right? You look at a company like Alvin Ailey, um, Dance Theater of Harlem, they said, you know what, fine, screw you. We're not waiting for you to allow us to dance. We're going to create our own dance programs and we're yeah. going to create our own companies and we're going to create our own inclusion. Um, and so you see that happening with brands, with mm-hmm. n- new brands. Um, and so it's very exciting because you also finally have this opportunity that people didn't have before of creating your own persona, right? Social media is a double-edged sword um, yeah. I was able to start my own brand and have support and I'm not anybody famous. I'm, <laughs> you know, 
I'm not a brand. I'm not sponsored. I'm not any of these things. But simply because I had the platform, people found it. It was able to create this mm-hmm. whole movement behind it. And I think that's really intense and different and interesting and will force other players to change the game because now those same people who see numbers say well they're taking sales away from us so how can we mimic what they're doing in order to get those sales back which will create inclusion maybe not through the wholeheartedness we would like it to be created yeah but it'll be created nonetheless but you did bring up a good point, need for things and people starting their own businesses. And you found a need for something and started your own business, correct? Yeah, um, definitely unexpected. But, um, you know, baby number three came along and we live in Texas. It is hot. as ooh, Hot. It, it is, is hot, hot here. And yeah. I know people from South Florida are like, it's hot. No, y'all, I'm telling you, it is a whole whole other level of heat here so um i got season passes for water parks because that's a thing here and um i was just getting ready to take the kids and at this point jj is five months old okay and i'm ready to rock the bikini i don't care i just want to be comfortable um we're still breastfeeding so i just wanting i wanted to be comfortable and be able to breastfeed my child um that proved to be so much more difficult than it needed to be um, because mm. the suit just didn't fit right. It didn't have the functionality. So I said, fine, whatever. I'll just buy one. Cause I have plenty of bikinis now. Um, but none of them really worked the way I needed it to work. So I said, fine, I'll buy one. Um, went and tried to look for some and found maybe one company. And oh. it wasn't inclusive. The style just was not my style. Um, and I said, no way. Like, come on now. Um, and it's true. Uh, it's true for all the reasons I stated before. You know, people just have body image issues. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks of moms. Public breastfeeding in the U.S. is a massive taboo still. Um, people who start businesses usually start the business for themselves, right? Yeah. So how many moms start businesses? Not many for a variety of reasons. And mm-hmm. so I said, you know what? I spent the last two years working to get to know the entrepreneurial community in Houston. I am going to start my own line of body positive, inclusive breastfeeding bikinis and swimwear. Nice. Which is completely out of my realm of expertise. Yeah. Um, but it's been a year. And we've actually launched, we've had a soft launch. So it's kind of like beta testing. We've mm-hmm. sold suits. We've had amazing feedback. And we've actually seen two or three other companies form and do something similar. Their styles are totally different. I don't feel intimidated in any way. I mm-hmm. think it's fantastic. Finally, yeah. breastfeeding moms have options for bathing suits. Hello, it's yeah. 2019. I can't believe yeah. that that's finally what's being said. Um, you, you mentioned something that I actually don't know a lot about, but the stigma with breastfeeding in America. Well, I think that you have to, uh, understand a lot of the the history behind it. Also, Mm -hmm. I think we're all um, in the performing arts desensitized to booms. We're like, Oh, there's another one. There's another one over there. Nudity is not any, I should say nudity in general. Nudity is not, uh, 
it's just not a thing because it's something that we're accustomed to. However, what most people don't realize is that until last year, um, public breastfeeding wasn't even legal in all 50 states. Oh, right? really? So, like if I were to go public, if um, I think the last one to come on board was like Utah. So if okay. I were to go to Utah and publicly breastfeed my child, I could potentially get slapped with like public indecency, like nudity, like public gotcha. nudity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can only imagine then what the stigma is for women who breastfeed in that entire state. Yeah. Um, and Utah's the only one I can remember, but there were others and they've been coming on board slowly. Um, but mm-hmm. the fact that again, 2018, and we're finally able to say, guess what? You can finally publicly breastfeed in all 50 States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That just speaks volumes. And, you know, there's been, tons of studies i think the recent study said that one in four people actually do have a problem with public breastfeeding oh uh, yeah that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty number. high number it's a pretty yeah. high number of things and those mm-hmm. are people that have admittedly said that they had a problem with it sure. all the yeah. extra people that you know say they don't but they you know deep down inside it kind of bugs them a little bit plus mm-hmm. there are many connections to rel- religion and things yeah. like that that call for modesty and mm-hmm. you know all of that plays into it so as mm-hmm. a whole we have a long way to go whereas you know I was in Europe when JJ was seven months old I was in Italy and um nobody had a problem with it yeah. people still talked to me they waved at me they looked me in the eye <laughs> mm-hmm. while I was feeding him and um this I remember this young man next to me um JJ got really fussy on the bus we were heading to Naples and he was really fussy and so I started feeding him and he just kept on talking to me the guy behind me was like oh I'm so glad I'm you know he must have been really hungry I was like what is happening right I just you know I'm like what you're talking to me you're I exist to you right now Mm -hmm. um and they were like oh yeah we have you know lots of siblings and this and that like it just wasn't a big deal and it was amazing and all I was trying to do is comfort him and feed him. And that's what most moms are just trying to do. And you just move on. But when you add a lot of taboo on top of it. Sure. It, and it you mentioned, whole... you mentioned traveling to Italy and breastfeeding there. And you, you traveled extensively when you were a kid as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. My parents were both pilots and my mom continued to work for the airline. So thankfully I was, very privileged to be able to see a lot of the world. Um, mm-hmm. um, so you you started this brand. Remind me the name again. So it's uh, called Orole. Okay. So Oro means gold Oro. and Le means milk in French um, because breast milk is often referred to as liquid gold. Yes, of course. So you have you have this body positivity blog site, um, Power to Prevail, and then you have this new um, swimwear line for moms about moms from moms. Um, so here's a top five. I'm really interested to get your take on this because you've started both this, this new brand and you have this blog brand that you've been, you've had for a while. What are some tools that you wish you had learned in school, um, that could help you now? So first and foremost, it's authenticity. You know, you mentioned it earlier that you don't 
have to do what everybody else is doing. And it's interesting because, of course, it's not like, oh, don't do what everybody else does. Everybody jumps off a cliff. It's not that. It's really being able to tap into your own story um, and, and be your authentic self because mm-hmm. that makes everything easier to do because you're not mm-hmm. trying to create. You're just going with the flow. Um, yep. Because the two processes are, are very different, right? It's like trying to choreograph from a piece of music that inspires you versus a piece of music that's set and it must be this song and this must be the theme. You have mm-hmm. to force things in a completely different way. So certainly focusing on authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, never downplaying your ability to perform yeah um some people really didn't like that about me they're just like well you seem so fake because here you're saying that you're sad but you're out there doing what you need to do well yeah that's a skill set yeah you know Mm -hmm. life isn't always rosy but there are things that we all need to do the show must go on so to speak um yeah so it's okay to have two feelings going on at the same time and that doesn't make you inauthentic it's saying yeah this hurts but you can still perform you can still get through that job interview you can still get through that pitch you know to that investor that is not interested but you've already showed up so you have to keep going um do you think that any of that you might really seem fake to a lot of people but do you think that is something that you learned when you were performing? Like, how to do that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you learn how to, you have to learn how to compartmentalize. Yeah. Um, because like you said, you're being asked to take on the theme on a performance, especially mm-hmm. the way we did performances. It wasn't all one fluid story. Yeah. It was multiple stories. You know, mm-hmm. so in one dance, you know, let's take our dancing through the centuries. Remember that one? Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was being a hippie and Janis Joplin to being a uh, Madonna and, you know, all this other stuff. Blink of an eye. I forgot the it third was, one I did. No, but you're right. It was it was very blink of an eye. And I immediately gravitated when you were talking about that to performing like at some point you're you're being told to you know portray you know some some biblical story that has a deep intense meaning and then black out you're now in this environment where you're changing your costume in a feverish pitch and all of a sudden you're in a classical ballet when mm-hmm. you're like in the heightened of dance and then you know 12 minutes later you black out and you're doing Madonna yeah, you know, you, you're right. You you really do, and then the whole time Afro Afro Cuban jazz, <laughs> right? And you're like throwing your body around, and you're like, I have to do, I have to do my final today, tomorrow. You know, you're like, I have to consider that. You know, thinking about that or being, you know, not sure if your dog, what's happening with your dog, and if it died. If, you know, none of our dogs died, but um, you know, just having that feeling. But people are watching you. There's, they're there for a reason. You're there mm-hmm. for a reason, and you're gonna do that. And even like you're I saying, I think it's a. Uh, and I, I don't. I think it's a skill set that people just 
do not, oh, they just don't emphasize enough. Um, but being able to have endurance, emotional, mm-hmm. emotional endurance. I'm not talking about physical endurance. Physical endurance is, I'm pretty sure what I did at 17, I can't do now because it's just oh, like, gosh, I'm no. just not that young anymore. No. <laughs> but, um, but there's an emotional endurance for what you're capable of putting yourself through. Um, mm-hmm. But that's often seen as very soft, right? Yeah. People, you tend to be then very empathetic. You don't just simply, you are that character. You're not just like, oh, here, this character would put their head down. No, they're weeping. They're sorrowful, you know, whatever. Oh, this person's going to throw their hands up. No, you're joyous. You're vibrant. You're all of these things. That, that takes an emotional toll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yes, people in the theater, they're known for being dramatic. and But there's a rationale behind all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a strength in that you're able to empathize with people tremendously, um, because you've walked in so many different shoes, especially if a choreographer takes the time to explain and yeah. you're just like, wow, I am like, I'm being transported to this time mm-hmm. and now I'm able to recreate an emotion, not even an emotion I've ever felt because right. it's an experience that I've never had and hopefully will never have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet you still have to find yourself there. And then you have right. to convince a whole audience that that's what you're doing without being able to say, hey, look, so like, here's what I'm trying to convey to you. Mm-hmm. No, that's a skill. Yeah. Can you imagine being able to convey a story to an audience without speaking? Yeah. I mean, look at TED Talks. If somebody yeah. just stood up there and danced, no, everyone says something, everyone's visuals and this and that, but being able to to do that, it's it's a great skill. And mm-hmm. you can take that into the workforce. I was a trainer for years. I hired people. I worked with children. I did all of these things. So you learn to adapt yourself to all of these people in any mm-hmm. situation. Um, for sure. Yeah. So you, so you have uh, authenticity, not downplaying yourself and your your a power to do things. And then your emotional endurance. What are some other things? Two more things. Two more things. Um, your abilities to trust in others. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, this is a, I mean, again, these are tough things that you don't realize that you're learning. Um, probably because you're a teenager and you're angsty and all this other stuff. But there is this massive massive layer of trust that has to be built um on many layers and for many many people so you do have this capacity to be trusting to be vulnerable to be open um and i think that that, gets that that goes for you know of course it helps when you're in high school or when you're doing you know in your adolescent years but also my 20s the same thing you know just reminding myself that people are not always out to get me I can trust people I can Mm -hmm. I I I can allow myself I can give my permission to do that for people yeah I definitely see that for sure what's one one more thing one more tool that you wish you had learned more when you were um in school 
One more. Oh, gosh. And I'm trying to think back to my 16-year-old. It's 16-year-old Anna. store drop, thrift store <laughs> shopping. Uh, yeah. Keep shopping at thrift stores. I mean, care about the earth. Um, care about the earth. I mean, it's <laughs> it's becoming just a side note. But, yeah. I mean, that's something that I'm definitely getting into is, like, caring about the earth, what you're doing, you know? How yeah. your you, – how what you do today is going to impact, you know – yourself 50 50 years from now 20 you know years what? from now 10 then years that's, from now then that's exactly what i'm gonna say realize the impact that you actually have the ability to have on others mm-hmm. because as a performer as a human being your performance can be the thing that inspires someone forever or it could be your choreography or it could be your presence you know one of the things i wish i was able to do is to keep dancing Mm -hmm. so that someone who saw a body like mine on a stage would say wait a minute if she can do that and she doesn't look like everybody else then that means I have a chance of being able to do that too yeah and that is how change happens because someone is bold enough to say I can make an impact you know I have just the other day, I had a woman send me a message saying, I wore a bikini for the first time in 10 years because of you. Wow. You you're... Know, yeah, go ahead. That it, and it's just that. It's your presence and your presence alone. Mm-hmm. Choosing to show up is such a powerful thing that we don't give enough credit to when we're doing it. Like showing up for an audition. Yeah. If you sh- mm-hmm. show up, You've already done better than everybody else who did. It's not about getting the part at that point. You showed up, right? Going Mm -hmm. for the job interview, showing up to a relationship, showing up to an investor meeting. You've you've already done so much more. Oh, yeah, and then I started doing triathlons. So this is my anecdote. (laughs) I know because I just like have nothing else to do with my time. But one time I was was finishing. Uh, I was running. I run very slow, so nobody be impressed. I, I was running, and um, I was passing this woman. She was, she was a young girl, I don't know, maybe in her early 20s. And she, I, the community is very supportive, so you always say something kind to someone that you're passing. And I said, oh, you know, we're almost done. And she's like, oh, I wish I could be like you. And I said, no, girl, like, you showed up. People want to be like you. For everybody mm-hmm. who didn't show up, they want to be like you, not like me. They want to be like you. Um, you know, because her and I finished. Yep. We finished at different times. Other people finished long before I did. Um, but we get so caught up in, oh, well, that, that person. Yeah, but you both showed up. When I yeah. go to network, when I go to networking event, I'll talk to anybody. Me sure. showing up to that networking event was the permission that I needed to speak to others. Not because of my mm-hmm. credentials, not because of how much money I've made, which again, not a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but none of those things quantify my ability to show up. I can just show yeah. up. And yeah. that's enough. Yeah, it's um, enough. And it doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter if somebody goes goes to class or they go to a show or they go to meetings with people you have to show up you have to come you have to put yourself there because if you're not then you don't know what's going to happen 
You have to yep. be in it to win it. And you're right. Just because somebody finished a race faster than you or somebody got to the finish line before you, it doesn't mean that your success is measured upon that by any means. It's your own personal success and you, everybody gets theirs in their due time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And we have this idea that um, success is limited um, and it's only for the few, uh, but that's part of what the few want you to believe so that they stay on top. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's more, you know, sure, is there one principal dancer? Yes, but there's still a whole corps de ballet. I mean, the whole thing makes up the the the, the company, not just one yeah. person. Um, yeah. And you never know what happens. You know, the life of an understudy is waiting for something to potentially happen, but you still train just as hard um, mm-hmm. and you still accomplish just as much. Whether you perform isn't you know well it's always the point because we want to perform like yeah. Robbie. um <laughs> mm-hmm. but it doesn't like you said it doesn't take away from the accomplishment um yeah. but we tend to do that we tend to award first prize and then think that everything else is just loser anna thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it oh it was my pleasure i love your story i love all of it tell your family hello and hope i didn't keep you up too late no we're still we're we're good don't worry about us <laughs> you're you you still got homework you still got things to do you're like i still got five more hours left of my day yeah i still have to uh clean up like reset we call it resetting we have to reset the house for jd to destroy tomorrow and then make sure all of our calendars align um so i can sleep in peace knowing that everyone knows what they're supposed to do tomorrow yeah peace of mind right that's what it is it's not mm. it's really finding all the pieces of the puzzle it's finding the peace of mind in it yeah Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much oh, again. I'm I really appreciate so it. I'm so proud of you. I just, Thank I you. want to take the time to make sure that you know that I am so proud of you for, you know, taking this on and seeing where the gaps are and be the person that says, you know, what, I'm going to fill in that gap and you're going to be able to impact people in incredible ways. And so I'm very thankful to um, have a little piece of it. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, so, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.